0: Hello, you're listening to episode 17 of the Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast. And today we're delighted to welcome Russell Cartwright to the show. Russell is the Assistant Director of Communications and Engagement at NHS South East London CCG. Russell is delivering behavior change marketing campaigns as we speak. Of course, it will resonate with so many of you. He is still living in the never-ending world of communications around COVID. And Russell has some amazing tips for you on how to commission an agency, what to look out for, and how to ensure effective delivery of behavior change marketing. He has taken the leap of faith into the wonderful world that is behavioral science. And so do listen in for some fantastic advice from Russell.
1: You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hello, I'm delighted to welcome here today, Russell Cartwright. Russell is the
0: assistant director of comms and engagement for NHS Southeast London and he is brilliantly applying behavioural science to his campaigns. I'll pass over to you now, Russell, to say quick hello.
2: Hi, Ruth. Uh, Thanks very much for uh, inviting me to take part in this podcast. It's um, it's all very exciting. Uh, I've I've been working in in the NHS in South East London for almost 20 years now. And one of the things that the pandemic has brought personally in terms of opportunities is the chance to really get involved in some really interesting behavioural science-led campaigns. And it's really changed my my outlook on communications, engagement and and marketing. And I've learned so much, you know, being involved in these projects. so So it's really good to be able to join you and and to talk about that.
0: Thank you, Russell. Because in our our quick pre-chat, Russell, you were talking to me about how just using behavioural science has really affected your planning of campaigns and what you might look for in commissioning an agency. Could you sort of start off by sharing that information and then we'll have a look afterwards at some of the fantastic campaigns that you're running at the moment?
2: Sure. Before I came on, actually, I, I, I googled behavior change, you know, campaigns and agencies, and um, it is a bit of a buzzword. Lots of people say they do behavior change, but not not everybody does it properly. I would say, which I'm sure you'll agree with Ruth, and it, it is a kind of term that's bandied around. So, you know, the first thing is I would really, really, you know, if you're looking to behavior change, talk to people who have run similar campaigns. Maybe if you're in-house and buying, you know, talk to some, reach out to somebody like me or, you know, other people who've bought and run successful campaigns and find out what they'd be looking for. But for me, I I would really be looking at one of the most impactful campaigns I've I've run during the pandemic was the, the Free Your Mind Mental Health campaign. and. At the time, we were working with Lynn PR, and they were explaining their, their methodology and you know how, how everything is science-led and data-led. And we had a, a project plan, and there was there was two weeks of testing of, of the messages. People were were locked down, and they were struggling with their mental health. We were really keen, you know, we done we done quite a bit of work already. We wanted to get the campaign out and get it started, and two weeks of testing seemed really extreme and unnecessary, but. It was explained to me about how that would really, really inform the campaign, and that level of testing. Without that level of testing, we never would have been able to have the really, you know, successful outcomes and the impact that, that the campaign had. You know, I, I've never bought campaigns like that before. You know, quite often we might do a bit of research, we would develop some messaging and test it with maybe a small group of people or something like that, and then you would kind of plan your campaign, agree it, send it out. And then perhaps see the results at the end of the campaign and work out whether it was a success or not. For me, you know, doing that research and that testing is paramount, really, to behavioral science approach. And so, so that you know, every time we've done those testing, you'll always be surprised which variations of the adverts were best. So very much look at... Somebody who will do, you know, some real thorough um, scientific testing of your messaging. For someone who can explain how they can understand and how they can develop messaging which which resonates with your audiences. The other thing I would say is that you should be looking for someone who will plan campaigns in in bursts so that you can, you know, learn as you go. Yeah you know if if you start start a campaign and one channel's not working great then why would you carry on with it for the rest of the campaign you know you need to have some flexibility to be able to change things and because you learn as you go you know I've come to the conclusion that I don't need to have all the answers now, whereas before I felt under pressure to need. You know, people ask you, you know, what? So, 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 what's the common solution to this? And I, like, I don't know. <laughs> no. no, exactly. But, but what I do know is I've, I've seen through behavioural science that there are ways to find those solutions, and that you know, nobody knows them until you test them.
0: Well, that's it. And you mentioned the two week test that you did for free your mind. Mm-hmm. So, was that literally testing different? creatives and different changes in wording, just for anyone at home who's listening, thinking, do, how many variations of the advert did you test?
2: So we, we tested lots because for that campaign, we had quite a segmented audience. So we were running, I not remember now, it was quite a while ago, but we, we had adverts running for 13 to 18-year-olds and an 18 to 30-year-olds and then 32. So it was very segmented in terms of ages. And, and I think that was important that, you know, we had images that resonated with the different age groups because, you know, a, a picture that appeals to a 16 year old may not appeal to a 59 year old or, you know, that sort of thing. So we tested several versions of several different variants. So the, okay. variant, the variants could be different images. They would also be the, the text that's on the images and also the text that surrounds the images in the adverts.
0: Okay, wonderful. So that's a great tip then that you said when you're looking to source an agency, ensure that that's a service that they offer. Actually see what the data says. And isn't that a wonderful step forward from the days when it would just be the creative was chosen by a group of stakeholders in a committee room. And it was basically what people liked or didn't like rather than actually what would create action. Because at the end of the day, we want people to do something Don't we? So it could be something so random and unusual that actually does that. Okay, that's brilliant. So, Russell, what about another tip for commissioning an agency? Have you changed your approach? You said about contacting yourself or other peer groups. And we'll just do a shout out to the Headspace group there because that's a fantastic place to do it. Yeah, would you recommend that people go out and they get three pitches from agencies, or how do people go about starting? like you say, if you go down the Google road of behaviour change agencies, hmm. or any good marketing agency will just be running on the back of that keyword because it's such a buzzword. Behavioural science doesn't necessarily mean that they're delivering behavioural science-based campaign.
2: My tip would be to look at how they will report back to you and look at, or look at the projects they've run and whether the evaluations cover real outcomes you know lots of lots of people put a lot of emphasis on evaluation and statistics that don't actually aren't actually that meaningful you know there's lots of weight put on reach for adverts and things like that, but, and reach is great, but it, lots of people see your advert, but nobody clicks on it or nobody takes the, the, the yeah. call to action, then uh, what what difference has it made? So I would very much talk to them and look at the projects that they've done previously and just see where it's actually had a real tangible outcome and try and be clear when you're doing your commissioning about what the outcomes are that, that you know, you want people to have from your adverts.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic advice, Russell, because actually that's a conversion campaign, isn't it? You know, if you want someone to click through and do something, give an email or sign up to something, then you've actually got to be really clear that that's the behavior and that's what you want them to do, which is quite different to kind of a brand building, you know, awareness campaign that might be, you know, much more about raising awareness and lobbying type thing. And actually, some of the old fashioned public health campaigns, if you look back, they were really, really awareness-based in a sense, because they were much more about changing the narrative that you know the main society's narrative and making people think about smoking in parks or smoking in cars. You, we couldn't necessarily track from an advert whether they had stopped smoking in cars necessarily. So if you do have a lovely digital consumer journey where you can measure call to actions, that's kind of a, the perfect campaign really for behavioral science to really show its value. Have you got any campaigns going at the moment that you could share with us to inspire us?
2: Yeah, so I've been working on vaccination campaigns pretty much since December last year. But at the moment, we're prioritising 12 to 17 year olds. I'm currently running a, a don't miss your vaccine behavioural science led campaign. And we've just actually had some amazing results back from the first burst um, of that campaign. Our digital adverts are currently, so we're, we're segmented again. So we've got adverts targeting 12 to 15 year olds adverts targeting 16 to 17 year olds and then adverts targeting their reference network so their friends and family and across all of those those segments we're currently running an engagement rate at six times the industry standard which is really good because I, I hold much more weight on the engagement rate that that shows people interacting with your adverts rather than just seeing it it shows that they're clicking on stuff it shows that they're clicking on the links or it shows that they're commenting sharing you know that sort of thing so that is so much better. But what, what I'm really, really pleased about is in this campaign. So the way we're doing exceptionally well is with with 12 to 15-year-olds, which are notoriously hard Pretty to yeah, um, yeah. So, so our, our engagement rate with 12 to 15-year-olds is currently running at nine times the industry standards. And we really, really, uh, well, I've been blown away by the, the success we've had, particularly on Snapchat, which is a new channel to me.
0: Yeah, Russell, that's fantastic. That really is amazing. Like you say, everyone's been grappling with how to reach young people, especially around vaccination. That's incredible. So you're on Snapchat, which is a bold move. And like I'm sure you said earlier, the king of Snapchat. We, I'm sure we can <laughs> get called the episode hear from the king of Snapchat. But it's something like you said, you mentioned about making sure you're on the right platform for the right target audience. And it sounds so simple, but it just isn't something we can take for granted. What was it like starting your journey with Snapchat?
2: So it's been a confusing one. And I've, I've been led by our agency, to be honest, too, who do have the expertise rather than myself. But it, it really has been good just to dabble with it, which we originally did. And when we did the tests, and when we started the the burst, we could see that it was working so well. And that, you know, the particularly 12 to 15s, although Snapchat has performed well for 16 and 17 year olds, was really, really getting people to interact with our adverts. So I mentioned the kind of flexible approach, but we've 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 shifted resources. We've we've put extra resources into Snapchat and moved them away from where it wasn't quite working as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what's it called for any of our listeners that are on Snapchat?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the account that the adverts are going out through is our underscore healthier underscore SEL, which is our um, integrated care system in, um, in South oh, Eastman. What I would say, if you check it out soon, there won't be much organic content. We've just agreed the organic content plan for Snapchat, but so there will be more organic stuff, but the adverts are doing exceptionally well. And how long will the campaign last for? So currently there's a, a second burst of activity and it's planned to run for another 11 days. With the possibility of extending, plus in Greenwich, where I'm based, we're going to be running a kind of offshoot for another month or so.
0: Oh, another month. That's fantastic. So, would you expect your agency to report to you on a daily or weekly basis the kind of numbers and engagement rate? Or do you leave it up to them to kind of make the decisions about moving the funds to which channels?
2: I mean I'm, I'm in very, very regular contact with them. I think it's important that you have at the very least a weekly catch- up while you're running a campaign through from the research and insight phase to you know campaign development. Yeah. So, so it's a weekly catch-up, but to be honest, the campaigns that I've been running have been moving at such fast pace that you know we, we've needed to touch base several times a week um, Brilliant. to talk things through and agree.
0: I think, oh, God, I'm so glad you said that, Russell, because sometimes when we commission the agency out, we think that's it, it's done, goodbye. But actually, it really does take a, you know, you still got to be captain of the ship or at the helm and make some really fast, quick decisions. Otherwise, there's no point in having the data real time if we can't make real time decisions.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So, Russell, you said that using behavioral science has completely changed what you do. So would you give one bit of advice for anyone who's a bit nervous coming, thinking, oh, it's a bit too complicated to understand, to give a bit of advice for anyone who wants to get started?
2: I would say be brave and go for it. You'll learn so much. And although some of it, can be complicated. It's not in a lot of ways. You know, I remember um, with the Free Your Mind campaign, we did you know lots of research and insight gathering at the start, and we came out with our messages. The Free Your Mind campaign was all about encouraging people to take action, to think about and look after their mental health and well-being. And if you were to look at the top messages that we we, we used in the campaign that resonated most with their audiences. You think, well, they're really simple and straightforward. You know, surely you didn't need to go through all that. Doing that piece of research brought you, it just highlighted what potentially could have seemed obvious to some people, but, but it showed that with the testing and with the data that they resonated with people. And I think, it, you know, it, just having that in your pocket, the results, being able to go to, to senior people and say these messages and these creatives are working with our residents means that, you you know, you've got the business case for what you're doing there and then, really.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like you say, having it in your pocket that you spoke to the residents and that these messages are working and they're being tested. It's just amazing. And it just also means that you can share it with the rest of us. It also means that, you know, everyone else can learn from what you're doing because you do have the data and the science to back it up. So thank you so much, Russell. There's some fantastic tips there. We will go through, I'll listen back through, and I'll pull them out for the show notes. But I think just to sort of sum up your sort of top tips were to really focus in and make sure your agency can offer you a sort of two-week test period and will offer different creatives and test different creatives for your different segments and target audiences. And also to make sure your agency can provide real-time monitoring And flexibility and agility to change channels as is needed. So to make sure that um, reporting mechanisms and understandings are really clear. I think they're fantastic bits of advice. So we always finish the podcast on a couple of questions. And if you could recommend one book, what would it be?
2: Okay, so you did pre-warn me about this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat if that's okay. Um, yeah. I'm going to recommend two books. Ah, um, that
0: is cheating.
2: <laughs> one's a kind of personal level, one's more technical. So on a personal level, I would highly recommend to anybody that they read, get, get your hands on a copy and read Quiet by Susan Cain. It's called Quiet, and it's the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. And for me, that was, that was a real eye-opener of a book, it read really, it whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, you know I'm an introvert, but if you're somewhere in between it's it's relevant to everybody. but for me as an introvert, it gave me a much better understanding of how I work, of what my strengths are and what I bring to the table. It also made me realize that there are lots of people like me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not alone. and it gave me the confidence to be myself and to, to do what I'm good at. So I'd highly, highly recommend that book. On a technical level, so I've I've read a a few books around that are linked to and relevant to um, behavioral science in the last year or so. I really, really like The Power of Experiments, Decision-Making in a Data-Driven World. That's by Luca and Bazerman. And it's, it's a really good book for someone just getting into behavioral science, I would say. It's got lots of examples of how big e-commerce companies like eBay, Airbnb, Booking.com, how, how they use experiments and testing to find out what, what works with their audiences. Plus, I think it, it also kind of highlights how easy it can be for us working in comms and PR in the digital world to adapt some of these principles for instance, you know, local regional newspapers, the Manchester Evening News, for instance, they test several headlines when they first publish an article now. Ooh. And yeah, if it's a big story, they'll test two or three different headlines, see what gets the most clicks in the first hour or something like that, and then go with the best one. And actually, if that that's a principle that, you know, we could use in public sector and in-house. Yeah. So so test, you know, why, why can't we That's test? so
0: clever. I love it.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if we're doing a stakeholder bulletin, which is something we all do, you know, test two or three different versions of it and see what works, see what gets most most interactions with it. I think it has, yeah, the behavioural science stuff has really made me think about how we can try and implement some of it in-house as well.
0: Yeah. And Russell, just like you said, it is so liberating because behavioural science means that you don't have to have the answer. You don't have to say, yes, this is the exact copy that will achieve this and this, because actually it's completely unrealistic expectation. And that's just wonderful. And the Manchester Evening News really shines a light on that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's the comms, uh, well, a marketing and comms manager's job. I always think of the analogy of a conductor, you know, with an orchestra, you know, we should be pulling it all together. Or are we the one man band that's running around trying to play every instrument? So <laughs> I think that's a wonderful example of actually it's a process and it's our job to really galvanize it and make it happen. But we don't have to have the answers at every stage that those answers come from. And thank you so much for coming on. It has just been brilliant to have you here and I'm sure that we'll get you back to share more case studies with us down the road.
2: Absolutely. I'd be really happy to.
1: Thanks, Russell. Thank you. Listening, did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatters Tea Party virtually.